Second Samuel chapter 14, the story of Avshalom continues. Avshalom, after he kills his brother Amnon, runs away. He's in exile. Amnon is dead. Avshalom's in exile. And the last verse of chapter 13, King David longed to go out to Avshalom. So the plain reading, and I think the most plausible reading, is the king has feelings for Avshalom. It is his son. Yes, he killed his oldest son, Amnon. David doesn't get involved one way or the other. But David seems to have feelings for, longing for Avshalom. And into the fray steps David's general Yoav. Yoav, the son of Tzruya, David's commander-in-chief, knows that the king is, king's heart was towards Avshalom. Now, Yoav is a very important character in the book of Shemuel. And I would say, as a general proposition, that Yoav is fiercely loyal to David's kingship. He may not always be perceived as loyal to David, but he always is thinking about the kingship. And David needs a successor. David's been king for a long time. David needs a successor. So Yoav sets out attempts to bring Absalom back, thinking no doubt Absalom will return, they'll make amends, and this is the future king of Israel. But David, in and of himself, will not act. So what Yoav does is, he sends in the second verse, Vayishlach Yoav Tekoa, he sends to the city of Tekoa, Vayikach Misham Isha Chachama, and he brings from there a wise woman. And he gives instructions to the wise woman. He says to her, Act as a mourner. Wear the clothing of a mourner. Don't anoint yourself with oil. Act as a woman who for a long time mourns the one who has died. And Yoav tells her what to say. Now we have in the book of Shmuel a type called the wise woman. And we have at least three examples of the wise woman. One is here in chapter 14. One is one that we encountered in 1 Samuel, chapter 25. Abigail, Abigail, Tovat Secho. She's a wise person. And we have in chapter 20 of 2 Samuel, the wise woman of Avel Mechola. We'll get to that. What do the three have in common? The wise women, their primary purpose is to save life or to save lives. So that's Ab- Abigail wants to save the lives of the people on her husband's uh, plantation. There are many, many people. She doesn't seem to have too much use for her husband, but she wants to save everybody else. In this chapter, the wise woman is sent out to tell a story to the king. This is the second time in a couple of chapters we have somebody telling a story. Story is not actually what happens. We have Nathan in chapter 12. Now we have the wise woman in chapter 14. And the idea of it will be, she says in her story, the saving of life, the 
helping those that are living to live better, as we'll see. So that's the wise woman. That's the wisdom over here. So she goes to the king. Remember, the king's role is to be a judge. We don't find the king actually judging too often. The previous judgment the king made was actually about himself. He judged himself to be guilty. That person should die, David said in chapter 12. He has no compassion. And Nathan said, it's you. And now we have chapter 14. Yoav sends for the wise woman. And now the woman from Tekoa comes to the king. And the king says in verse number 5, Malach, why do you come to me? Vatomer, avol isha amona oni vayomot ishi. She says, I am a widow. My husband has died. Now, of course, one might say, well, clearly, if you're a widow, your husband died. What does it mean, I'm a widow, my husband has died? She's actually saying two things, as we will shortly see. She's not simply repeating what a widow is. We know what a widow is. But in the story, the fact that she's a widow and the husband has died is actually relevant. And she has the following story. Your handmaiden, referring to herself, had two children, two sons. And they fought in the field. And there was nobody to separate the combatants. So one slew the other, hit the other, and killed him. And now the whole family has risen up against me, your servant. The family says, the avengers of the blood of the dead child say, hand over the killer. But if they do that, they will kill the one who could inherit. Inherit from the father. And they will snuff out the spark that is left. That my husband will have no continuity, no name, no remnant on the face of the earth. So in this story, which is a made-up story, what is the role of the husband? The woman is petitioning the king. And the point is twofold. The first is that the reason this crime took place, namely that one slew the other, there was nobody to separate the combatants in the field. But who was the one who might have separated the combatants in the field? Whose job would that be? I would say that would be the father. But there is no father. There is no father. I'm reminded of the story of Joseph in Joseph's dreams. We were, we were, we were making bunches of, 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 of stalks, gathering the stalks, tying them together in the basadeh. And my stalk stood up, and your stalks bowed down to my stalk. It take, the dream takes place basadeh. It's a place of potential conflict between brothers. Cain and Abel, Cain and Hebel, Vahibiyotam basadeh. And there was no one to, to separate them. So that's the first thing she says. Had there, been a, had there been a father there, 
that might have prevented the, the struggle. And of course, that's implicitly a critique of David in the previous chapter. David, in the story of Amnon and Tamar, does absolutely nothing. And Avshalom waits. And finally, Avshalom killed his brother. There's no father. And then the woman has a second point. If you kill the remaining son, then there'll be no future for the father. The father died. But the father can continue. We know the institution of leveret marriage. The name can continue. But if the family wants to kill the remaining child, but then the father will suffer. So if we take the parable to David, which of course it is, what she's saying is, number one, it's your fault it happened, and number two, it's in your own interest to make sure that there's some continuity. And the continuity, as the woman suggests, is Avshalom. Avshalom is the appropriate one who will continue the kingship, the appropriate successor to the king. That, in my view, is what the book is saying in the previous chapter. So David, David's response to the woman, if we go by the book, there's not much of a case the woman has. It's murder. You punish the murderer. So David's first response says, go home, and I'll, I'll render my decision. I'll give my decision concerning your case. The woman doesn't want that. Of course, she knows once she walks out, the king won't do anything. So she says to the king, in verse number 9, It's on me, she says. You're innocent. When you decide, no one will hold you guilty, it's on me. Then the king says to her, Bring those people who were talking to you, bring those people, the rest of the family, let me speak to them. Let me reason with them, says the king. The avengers of the blood. And the woman says to the king, that's not going to work either. You know, the Torah spends a lot of time, actually, talking about the avenger of the blood, the city of refuge, and takes all kinds of precautions. The Torah understands that vengeance is something that people want. Desire vengeance. They think it's even right. So finally the king says to her, Chai Hashem, in verse number 11, Im yipol mi sarat Chai Hashem, I swear, not a hair from your son's head will fall to the ground. That is already preliminary to the death of Avshalom, who will get entangled with his hair in the tree. At least leave that aside for now. And then the woman says to the king, may I speak? Go ahead. So you've rendered the decision about me, but what about yourself? In your decision that you have rendered, you are guilty. Because you don't bring back the one you have sent away. The story of Amnon and Avshalom is your story. And it's my story. It's the same story. Therefore, since you rendered the decision about me, how about if you carry out the decision yourself? This is Yoav's idea. And it sounds like it might have worked. But the king said to the woman, Was Yoav behind all this? Oh yes, says the woman, you're so wise. He was. Okay, says the king. And he commands, Avshalom can come back. But he's under house arrest. He stays in his house and he can't see me. One has to wonder... What if Avshalom would be able to see the king? The king does not permit Avshalom to see him, which means to see someone means to forgive. 
And the reason it would appear that the king cannot fully forgive Avshalom is not because of Avshalom. It's because he sees in this the hand of Yoav. He sees Yoav as overreaching. He sees Yoav, his general, as trying to tell him what to do. So the king's response is not to carry out what Yoav wanted him to do, not to carry out really in spirit what he had said. Not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. The point of the story is forgiveness. What David does is he, he fulfills his oath, one might say, in a technical way. But he doesn't actually fulfill it in the real way. He doesn't fully forgive Avshalom. And Avshalom waits and waits again. And finally, Avshalom burns down the field of Yoav. He gets an audience with the king. And the king kisses him. But it's too late. Avshalom has already determined to kill his father and to take over the kingship.